All right. Tonight's message is on perseverance. Thank the Lord that I found my first set of notes. Because um, I was like, what am I going to do? Um, this one I could probably preach in my sleep because all I've been doing for the last month is persevering. This is a real easy subject for me to get a hold of because I feel like I have been doing an army crawl, an army crawl to this day right here. Carla Swanigan, she said to me, she goes, Paula, if you have to drag yourself to that place tomorrow, you drag yourself to that place. I said, because this is spiritual warfare and you are gonna, you're going to go down fighting. And Bob was, was praying over me. He says, this is the line in the sand. I'm standing right here. This is the line. It doesn't matter. This is the line. And so I'm going to write on perseverance because I've had to persevere. And you know how my, my sermons are all about me. So... Um, <laughs> That, you know, makes for the best sermons, right? When you really have passion for it. <laughs> and so I'm going to talk about perseverance. Oh, why is it not? It's too echoey? I think it went off again. Is it off? Hello? Or is it just these two? Oh, that's why. Brian, you might have to move over here. You're okay. All right. Sorry. <laughs> um, now I lost my train of thought, Brian. What was I saying? But what else? It's all about me. It's all about me persevering, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so let's start here. I'm going to start with James 1, 2 through 4. My fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulty, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. For you know when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. I'll tell you what, it was hard for me to see perseverance as joy. It's hard for me to understand that persevering is something that can lead to joy. But we need to have a long-term perspective, not just a short-term earthly perspective. We need to have a long-term perspective. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 says it this way. At, this is from the Passion, because you know I love the Passion translation. As for us, we have all of these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us in the sin we so easily fall into. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race, marathon race, with passion and determination, for the path has already been marked out before us. We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and leads us to faith's perfection. His example is this. Because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing you would be his. There's that joy. He endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits at the right hand of the throne of God. So consider carefully how Jesus faced such intense opposition from sinners who opposed their own souls so that you won't be worn down and cave under life's pressures. The reality is, you guys, if we're going to be serious about this kingdom thing and this Christian thing and this Christ follower thing, we're going to experience things that Christ experienced. He experienced sufferings. He experienced difficulties. But for the joy set before him, that's the NIV. I, mem I memorize it there. But for the joy set before him, 
He suffered these things for us, for the humiliation of the cross, because he knew there was a joy set before him. And we have to look at it from that perspective, a long-term perspective, that in the plan of God, the suffering that we go through and the perseverance that we have to do is for a purpose. It's for the joy set before us. If we're going to participate with Jesus and what he's doing on earth, we're going to have to persevere through some things, right, to get to that joy. It's not a fun thing. One... One thing that I feel like is there are some character traits that are not really taught that much anymore. They're not really, we're not taught to persevere through hard things in this world. Um, it's give up and move on to the next thing, right? Uh, if you don't like your spouse, move on, to the next, move on to the next one. Don't persevere through hard things. Don't press through. Just give up, get yours, and get going, right? And I feel like if we're going to be anything to this world, we have to be models of what perseverance really looks like. You know, there's this um, statistic about, un- about marriages. They say that, um, I don't know where it's from, but if you're in an unhappy marriage, if you stay one more year or five more years, you characterize your marriage as happy that next time. Where if you get out, if you get divorced or separate, you would never get to that happiness. It's the idea of staying power. It's the idea of persevering through hard times when sometimes you don't feel like doing it or you've made a commitment, Right? The other thing, you know, Jesus is our focus when we go through trials and tribulations. The other thing is that we have witnesses who are watching us. Like I just said, I don't feel like the world teaches our children anymore any kind of character uh, traits, really, at all. If we're going to be anything to this world, we have to be a witness to what to what brings joy and how to live. And perseverance is one of those things. People need to witness our lives and say, you know what? They're persevering through it and look what, got, what they got on the other side. We have to be able to be witnesses. In order to be a witness, sometimes you've got to go through it. In order to testify, sometimes you have to go through it, right? The best testimony is somebody who's experienced the suffering, Right? And so sometimes we have to persevere in order to testify about that suffering. I see Sharon Gertrude back there. She's going, oh, man. Right? You know, we had our last um, marriage class. And, of course, I get there on Tuesday night, and I, ha- I have everything set up, and I don't have the clicker to operate that dumb DVD thing. And that, that DVD machine is so old and jicky-jack that you can't operate it with the buttons on the box. You have to have the remote. And so I'm like, oh, did I leave it at home? Where is it? So I, you know, everyone's at Village Inn, ordering their pie and everything. And I go back to um, the house, and I can't find that DVD clicker anywhere. And I'm like, how are we going to have our last DVD? How are we going to have our last class? You know, and I'm calling Chris going, do you have a thing on your computer? And he's like, no, I don't have one. And I'm, Emma and I are trying to work out her computer so that maybe, and it's so old, it's like 10 years old, we can't even get the thing to load, you know. And I'm working and working on it. I'm like, well, maybe we should just not have the last class because I can't get this dumb thing to work. And I'm like, oh, no, this isn't beating me. You know, about 30 minutes later, I had gotten my MacBook, which does not have a DV drive, and I hooked up an external DV drive. Then I had to have an adapter for the HDMI cable to go to the television. I mean, it was a lot of work for me to get that thing going, you guys. But we saw Dad Jim, we saw that last DVD. 
let me tell you. It might have been 30 minutes, but I persevered, and we got that dumb thing shown. And, of course, I get back to the village inn, and I'm like, I wonder if I left it here last week. And I go and look in their little bin, and there was that dumb remote. I'm like, can you believe it? <laughs> and then Chris and I have been suffering through my health issues. I mean, that's been... Yesterday, my anxiety, anxiety was through the roof. I tell you what, I've never, no, I shouldn't say that. I have had a lot of spiritual warfare getting here. And like I said, I army crawled it here. But yesterday was a lot of anxiety. It was a lot. I had to cancel lunch plans with Janet and say, just pray for me. But people, this is worth it. This is worth it. This is what God wants us to be doing. But sometimes it's hard. Can I just tell you the truth? Sometimes it's hard. So I want to talk about Joshua. I want to talk about Joshua and what he um, went through when he was leading the, the, the um, children of Israel into the promised land. I think you guys know the story. After Moses died and was buried by the Lord, isn't that sweet? Um, I'm going to get my water. Joshua became the leader. And he, t- he took the mantle from Moses and became the leader of the Israelites. And as they were um, going from the wilderness, they had to cross over the Jordan River. And the way it happened was almost exactly like the Red Sea. Joshua said, okay, um, priests, I want you to take the Ark of the Covenant and you're going to go stand in the river. And when you stand in the river, the river will part and everyone can cross over on dry land. And that's what happened. They carried the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the presence of the Lord with them. And as they stood there, all the children of Israel crossed over onto dry land. Here were God's words to Joshua when he installed him as the new leader. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the laws my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Three times God says to Joshua, don't be discouraged. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Three times he said that to Joshua. So as the um, Israelites are going across the, the river, one of the tribes repeats back to Joshua. This is what I think is so cool. And says, whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever you may command them will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. This was not God speaking to Joshua. This was his people speaking back to Joshua. See, what we walk in, we influence the atmosphere with, right? What we make a stand for begins to change things in the supernatural. And so when Joshua said, I'm going to be strong and courageous, and the people saw the strength and the courage inside of him, they're like, oh, only be strong and courageous. That's all it takes is to say, this is who I'm going to be, and we get to influence the people around us. And I'm so sorry, Emma, where is she? I'm going to have to tell a story on you. You know how... um, You know how... um, you know how she's had her prayer locker for three years now at that school. And she went through a lot to get that prayer locker there. And she gets nasty notes all the time, you guys. She gets horrible things. I mean, pornographic stuff stuck in her locker. But she has one teacher who at the very beginning, Emma, did not agree with you having that locker, right? Didn't you have a teacher who did not like you having that locker? Yeah, what was his deal? 
He doesn't like Jesus. Okay, what else? And he didn't think you should have that locker? Science stuff. Anyway, he was, but he was not for the prayer locker is what I'm saying. He was not for the prayer locker. But do you know what? For three years, that prayer locker has been up. For three years. And a little while ago, it got defaced by somebody per usual, you know, Satan rules and crap like that all over it, you know. And that chemistry teacher came out and said, that's not right. She has every right to have that prayer locker up. And he went and turned the people in who defaced that locker. Three years, she had that prayer locker up. And it's making a difference in the atmosphere of that school. And I'm telling you what, the enemy does not like that. But that's perseverance, right? I had to tell that story, sorry. Right? So if we're going to persevere through our life's trials and through our destiny, we have to be strong and courageous. We're changing the atmosphere wherever we go when we decide to be strong and courageous. People see that. They witness what we're doing. You know, a lot of people, um, Christians, try to, in an effort to control people's behavior, they fall back on legalism. You need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do this, you need to do that. All that stuff comes from the heart, comes from the inside. And what, like what I said before was, wouldn't you rather hear from somebody's experience rather than just be told what to do? I mean, don't you more value somebody who's been through it, saying, hey, this is what I've been through, this is how I've overcome it, blah, 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 than someone say, this is what you should do, this is what you should do, this is what you should do. That's why we have to be strong and courageous, and we have to stand, because our testimony matters. It's a way of um, relating to the world that they can understand and accept. Does that make sense? Rather than just a bunch of rules. You know, if I can say, listen, you know, um, this is what I've been through. Jesus got me through it. I understand, you know, I understand divorce. I've been through divorce. I know how horrible it is. I understand your feelings. People are going to listen to me because of what what I've been through. But if I just say to somebody, you know what, don't get a divorce and you need to do X, Y, and Z and keep your marriage together and whatever, that's, those are empty words. Those are empty words. You have to, you have to have been through it in order to minister out of it. Does that make sense? remember to build your altars. So after the tribes, were, well, as they were going across the river and the, and the riverbed was dry, Joshua said to every um, elder, there's 12 tribes, every elder, go and get a stone from out of the middle of the river where, it was, where you walk through. Pick that stone up and take it over and build an altar on the other side after you leave the Jordan River. And he said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord your God onto the middle of Jordan. Each of you should take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. And then he repeats it again. I'm just going to say it over here. In the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea. When he dried it up before us until we had crossed over, he did this so that all the people of the earth, 
all the people of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and that you might always fear the Lord your God. So here's the thing. We set up our altars not only to remind us, but to remind other people, right? Sometimes when you're going through it, you need to look back at the altar that you built and said, God did it before, he can do it again. In this instance, he did it twice. He dried up the land two times so that people could cross over. We also do it to testify to all the peoples of the earth. We have to testify to all the peoples of the earth what God has done. What does it say in Revelation? They overcame by the blood and their testimony. Their testimony. It's important that we set up altars and we look back and we teach our kids about our altars and we share them with the people around us and say, look, God did this for me, he can do it for you. God did it for me, he can do it for you. It's important to set up our altar stones and remember them. Number three, we have to remember God's authority. God's on the throne, even when we don't see it. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, this is an interesting, I'd like to get your opinion on this later, Bob. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? Now, here's the picture Joshua is the first, or Jericho is the first place they have gone in to conquer. And Joshua, you know, rightfully so, is out doing some um, reconnaissance around the land to see what Jericho, how fortified it is, what he needs to do. And he runs into this person. Neither, he replied, but as a commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. Now, all right, here's our controversy. So Joshua is going to check out Jericho, and he, he runs into an, a person who is either an angel or Jesus, called a theophany, right? It's either a representation of Christ in the Old Testament as the leader of the army of God's, of God's um, commander of the Lord's army, or it's an angel, could be one of the Michael or whoever, whoever the warring angel is, right? We don't know, and people have different interpretations about that, but the most important thing is this. Joshua responded accordingly. He fell to the ground in reverence. Well, whether it was just being reverent to an angel or worshiping the Lord, I don't know, but the, the reality is he needed to encounter the divine in order to go forward with what God was going to ask him to do with Jericho. And we need to make sure that we're always in a place to encounter the divine. Next week, um, Carla is going to come, and she's going to talk about having encounters. And here's the thing, you guys. When we're going to persevere, when we're going to persevere through stuff, we cannot do it on our own. We can't do it in our own strategy. We can't do it in our own left brain thinking. And sometimes we just need to have an encounter with the Lord who's going to change our whole landscape, change our whole mindset so that we can see things the way he sees things and we can have faith for what he's calling us to do. Does that make sense? We, I, I don't know how anyone can do it in this world without having a connection to the Lord. I really don't. How do you make it through the trials and tribulations of this world unless you are somehow connected to the Lord? To me, it's not possible. But if you're going to be a leader and you're going to be strong and courageous, by gum, you need to have an encounter with the Lord. And you need to worship the Lord and go low. And go low. Especially when you don't know what you're doing. 
you got to go low and say, I'm going to worship you because you know the story and I don't. And that's what Joshua did. Whether this picture is Jesus or an angel, I don't know, but Joshua recognized how important it was. <laughs> we need to encounter God because this prepares us to believe and obey him when he asks us to do the crazy stuff, right? And God was really getting ready to tell Joshua to do some crazy stuff. So what's the story? So Joshua tells his people, I've gotten this strategy that the Lord has um, downloaded to me of how we're going to take Jericho. Jericho is a highly fortified city. It was the first city. And a lot of people were really afraid now. They've heard about that the Israelites crossed over the Red Sea and they crossed over Jordan. So there's a lot of crazy morale going on right now with, with the people in um, the promised land. And so Joshua does something even crazier. This is the download that, that the Lord gave to him. He says, take the um, Ark of the Covenant, and the priests go before the Ark of the Covenant, and the, the people can follow behind. It doesn't say if it was just the, the um, fighting men or all the men and women. We don't know. And except for the priests, which are to blow the horn, everyone is to remain silent. Everyone is to remain silent and circle the city one time for six days. Now, I don't know about you, and this is where perseverance comes in. The way we want miracles to happen, I think, is we need to see a little bit of progress. So on that first day when Joshua told everyone to go around, blow your horns, don't say anything, but walk around one time, what we'd like to see is maybe one layer of that, of that wall kind of fall down, right? Like, oh, it's getting a little weak, or one layer fell down. If we just do this enough time, we'll, the vibrations will make it come down or something like that, right? That's not what happened. They went around one time, and not one thing happened. Not one thing happened. They went around the second day. They did the exact same thing. Not one thing happened. Now, by now, possibly, the people of Jericho are going, what are these crazy people doing? And they're feeling kind of secure. Maybe they're doing cat calls. Maybe the people of Israel are like, what is Joshua doing? How can this be a military strategy? Like, what's going on? For six days, they circled that city, and not one thing happened. You know, I think what happens to us sometimes is we get to day four, five, and six, and we're like, I'm going to give up. There's nothing happening. This is useless. Like, where, why are my little bricks not falling down? I don't see any movement here. I don't see any progress here. What, I must be crazy. Do any of you guys ever feel those words inside your head that, what am I doing here? But you guys, if we're going to have perseverance of God has called us to do us, you've got to get to day seven. You've got to get to day seven because day seven is where it really happens, right? The number seven figures prominently in this chapter. In fact, it is used 11 times in this chapter. Seven priests with seven trumpets were to march around the city seven days with seven trips on the city of the seventh day. Eleven times the number seven. Seven, we know, is the number of completion or perfection. We have to keep marching even when we don't see the effects of the marching because we've got to get to our day seven. We've got to get to our day seven so that we can be a, a witness and we can testify to what perseverance really means and what it looks like. You know, getting back to um, that story I told you at the beginning of the marriage class, so we've been studying um, 
John Eldridge. It's Love and War, which is a fantastic name for marriage class. And on the very, <laughs> on the very last day, you know, they have, you do, they have you answer these little questions. And this n- incredible nugget came out. And I'm so glad I persevered and we actually watched the last DVD. But the, the, the nugget came out was this. If we want God, if we want God, if we want to be where God is and we want God in our lives, we have to go hang out where God is. Like if you're a fisherman, you've got to go to the river. If you're a... Um, If you're a hunter, you have to go to the woods and hunt. You've got to go where the prey is, so to speak, right? If we want God, we've got to go to where God hangs out. You know where God hangs out? God hangs out in the place of love and restoration and forgiveness and brokenness. That's where God hangs out. He doesn't hang out in judgment. He doesn't hang out in hatred. He doesn't hang out in anger or negative agreements. And I'm like, oh my gosh, if I had not persevered to watch that last DVD and gotten my MacBook and my external hard drive and my adapter and all that crap together and had not watched it, I would have missed the most important lesson of that whole series, which is I want to be where God's at. I want to hang out in the place of love. And, this is, and then right after that, this came on Twitter. This is a quote by C.S. Lewis. To love you as I should, I must worship God as creator. When I have learnt to love God better than my earthly dearest, I shall love my earthly dearest better than I do now. When first things are put first, second things are not suppressed but increased. And I was like, oh Lord, we want you to be first so that everything else will be increased. That to me was the nugget of the whole marriage class was, oh, putting God first means everything else is better. It doesn't replace everybody else. It, it improves everything else. And so in our, as our first time here uh, at Supper Club, I just want to take a moment and I want to define some things for us. Pastor Bob does this a lot of times when he's doing Celebrate Recovery. He's he like, let me tell you what we're about and what we're not about so that everyone is on the same page. You know, you're not going to um, cross-talk or correct each other or do counseling, blah, blah, blah. Well, I want to do the same thing right now. I want to talk about what we're about and what we're not about. We're about God. We're about pursuing God. Because if we want to love this world and each other, the only way for the best way that it happens is we have to pursue God. Does that make sense? We've got to go where God is at. So I want Supper Club to be about how do we pursue God corporately, personally, so that we can have the best family and community ever. Because I'm all about community. I'm all about family and community. I'm the white picket fence girl. But you know what I found out? If I want the best white picket fence, it starts with God. It starts with pursuing God. So I'm laying that foundation right now for us here at Supper Club. That's what we're about. We're not going to be about rules and behavior and stuff like that. Because external rules don't change anybody. Internal things change people. And I believe the very best way to affect this world is to love God with our whole hearts. Pursue him with our whole hearts. Then we're going to have the best community we could ever have. Does that make sense? So, you know, I'm not throwing away our belong, believe, behave thing. I still believe in all that. But what I want to say is God's going to be the priority. Pursuing him and out of that overflow comes an incredible connected community.
Does that make sense? That doesn't, doesn't point the finger and judge and, do, and try to manage your behavior. I'm not interested in managing your behavior. Cannot manage your behavior, I'm not interested in it. What I'm interested in is how do I love you well? How do I love you well? Because I want to go where God is and God is where love is. Does that make sense? So that's my sermon for today, you guys. Let's just pray and close it up. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for this group of people, God. I thank you, Lord, that you got us here, Lord. We are, I army crawled, we army crawled, Tim and Jane, we got it here, Lord. And I just thank you, Father, that you're in it with us. Lord, we do love you, and we want to love you more. We want to pursue you, God, so that we'll be such incredible reflections of who you really are, God. That we might love each other well and deeply and intimately the way that Christ loves us. God, I just thank you for who you are. I thank you for this delicious food by Debbie Blanchard. Bless her, Lord. And let us have a great time eating together, God. In Jesus' name, amen.